News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. I am uh, really excited about our conversation today. So I asked Nikki Trusdell, who is a conservative activist and a homeschool mom and a uh, homeschool veteran, like she was homeschooled. I don't know what you refer to somebody who was homeschooled and then somebody who is a like completed homeschool mom because she's still homeschooling. But the point is she was homeschooled before I was in the 80s, right? Like I was homeschooled in the 90s and people still looked at us like we were kind of like an endangered species or something that had not interacted with most of human society. But she was educated in the 80s, which was like when they just tried to put you parents in jail. Okay, so here's the reality. Nikki and I had a conversation because there's something we disagree on, which is school choice. I am a supporter of school choice policy. She uh, does not support it, thinks it's a very bad idea and expresses uh, and explains why she believes that in today's conversation. And so we had a conversation. I'll probably have one or two more of these because there's going to be a huge push for school choice. And there are some in the homeschool community uh, who don't like that. And so I would love to have these ongoing dialogues to where we can kind of really get down to what it is we disagree about, because, of course, we agree if you take this issue off the table, we're probably in agreement 90, 95% of the time and are probably working to make Texas more free. So with that, let's go to this conversation with Nikki. So I am joined today by Nikki Truesdell, who is a homeschool mother, a, uh, let's say a homeschool veteran uh, from Cook County. She's not completely done. So I don't know if that's like veteran status or like current active duty veteran for older kids, but she's in that, that middle range. She's somebody who uh, was homeschooled uh, homeschooled her kids and uh, disagrees with me and other homeschool uh, families and agrees with a lot of other homeschool families that um, school choice as a policy that is being considered in Texas is not something we should support, has dangerous ramifications. And I don't want to put too many words in her mouth, but that's why I've asked Nikki to come on and have this discussion with me just to give everyone kind of some context. School choice has been something that um, has been advocated for by the Republican Party as a whole for quite some time. That being said, in Texas, it has really never gained traction. And we are we kind of are an outlier state as one of the few red states that doesn't have any type of school choice policy. And so just recently, uh, when Governor Abbott ran for election originally seven years ago, he said, I'm a school choice advocate. That being said, he hasn't necessarily pushed it and has supported a lot of the Republican elected officials who oppose it. Um, there is a coalition in the Texas House of Democrats and then usually more rural Republicans. But let's say also just in generally, it tends to be the more moderate crowd um, who team up with the Democrats to then kill school choice as a policy in the Texas House. The Texas Senate has been supportive of the policy. The Texas House has always opposed it. But this year, Greg Abbott, after his primary, came out very strongly saying this is something he's going to push. And so that has kind of put it, let's say, more on the forefront. There's been these different disagreements in the past. I haven't engaged in them as much because, honestly, I always looked at the legislative session as starting out, school choice is going to die in the Texas House. So I didn't really feel the need to have this discussion. But, Nikki, I've asked you on because – 
now I feel like we're getting to that point in time where this is actually something that could very well become a reality, which I'm assuming also leads to more people saying, hey, we're going to very strongly voice our opinions on this. So that being said, without me putting words in your mouth, Nikki, tell me your general position on school choice as a whole. Well, thank you for having me on to discuss this today. Um, My general position is that it will actually limit the freedoms we have both in homeschooling and even for private schools in Texas, because I believe firmly that if the government funds all three kinds of education, those three kinds of education will become one. They will all be publicly funded, so they will be public education. And this would be, in my opinion, a monopoly And the reason that private education and home education are different is because they're private. They are not funded by any outside source. So currently we have a situation where the vast majority, let me kind of give you my position, right? Instead of directly refuting that, I'm going to give you my position. So you basically have a situation where let's say, uh, and, and, I will say that over the last several years, the numbers have changed significantly, right? At some point, there was like three, maybe 5% max of the population was homeschooled. The nationwide numbers that are generally accepted are about 7% nationwide are homeschooled Mm post-COVID. And then in Texas, that number could be as high as 10 to 12%, to be honest. So we have a massive increase in the homeschooling population as a whole. And then there is about that same percentage that then is uh, private school educated, and then maybe charter school as well. So if you combine charter and private, it's about another 10, 12, maybe 15%. So then that leaves about 75% of the kids who are educated in what we'd consider a traditional public school. And so what we have today is that we have largely, when I say a monopoly, we have a monopoly on any parent that can't afford another option. And we can have the discussion about whether you can or can't afford, because I think you Uh, would make a great point that says that there's a lot of people that homeschool that aren't wealthy, right? So this isn't just something available um, for those people. I will say that two-parent households, right? A lot of our dependence on the public school system, I think, is a also just a byproduct of the societal decline that we've seen in the family, the breakdown, right? We have a ton of single-parent households. Single-parent households cannot homeschool at the end of the day. I mean, there's just not, I don't see a path for a single mother to homeschool without income coming in. And so you're set in a situation where there are a lot of families that basically can only attend the public school that their child is assigned to based on the zip code they live in, based on the street they live on. And so for those children, they go in and we would probably all agree. One thing we could all agree on is the fact that the quality of education that those students are receiving is abysmal. Uh, and in many cases is pure indoctrination. So there's not just a literal, like these people cannot read and write and do math as well as they should in order to be a better contributing members to society. But there's also the reality that they are being indoctrinated with a more Marxist worldview that is going to radically reshape the United States of America. And so I think that one of the reasons you see very liberal people, all of the teacher unions, let's say teacher, we we probably agree teacher unions are pro-indoctrination. And so teacher unions are opposed to school choice and all these things is because right now in the current system they have, the majority and the vast majority of students that live within their area have to come to their school and they take those kids and they indoctrinate them. And so what school choice provides is that everyone can now make a decision. 
And I think what likely would happen in the event that school choice passed, something like what happens in Arizona with like an education savings account, just so people kind of understand the policy that we're likely talking about. We're likely talking about a policy that says there's a, a set number that's allocated per student. Let's just for sake say it's $10,000. And if a parent decides that their student should get educated somewhere different than Delview Elementary, which is literally a block and a half for me, um, then they get about 75% of that money and they can say, I'm going to this school, right? And then that money gets moved over, about 2,500 stays at the school that they're not getting educated. So the school gets 2,500 for educating and nobody. And now this other school is educating students. Now, the question is, there will be likely some form of uh, accountability or requirement as a result of that money, right? So when that parent makes that decision, that school that they're going to, or if they say, I'm going to homeschool and that money comes to them, how is that money then going to get spent on educating that child, right? Um, I think it's important to kind of recognize first and foremost, and this is maybe a question that I want to understand. So I have not seen a school choice program in America that is um, where, where any citizen is compelled to join it. OK, so and I don't think that's even been even discussed in Texas, but even across the nation, I don't think there's any school choice programs where families are required. So when you say, I think that all now all education is going to be under one monopoly, it sounds to me like everyone's going to be forced into that system. But the reality is that if you and I decide not to take that money, we are still independent. Is that correct? I uh, believe that would be the case at first. Yes. Here's my concern with what if you don't take the money? Because I will mm -hmm. not take that money. Yep. But as a homeschooler yourself, you know that not every homeschool family homeschools the same way. There's not yep. one way to do it. There's so mm -hmm. many ways you can't make a list. And so what I see is a gradual progression where uh, family A takes the money, but they are unschoolers. Their kids you know, will probably be required to take state tests because mm -hmm. that's been a very common thing with the ESA requirements. Kids don't pass the test. Um, and, and in various states, they do it differently. But there will be many reasons why the outside world will look in at the homeschool families that take that money and say, wait, you're not doing it right. That's mm -hmm. not how you educate. Because, you know, homeschoolers don't do it the way they do at public school. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so awesome. So, the longer you have this outside scrutiny on people who are taking the money, the longer you have this, as you know, probably, I, I mm -hmm. certainly experience this constantly as a homeschool parent. That's not how you do it. You're doing it wrong. Your kids mm -hmm. are missing out. They're not getting this and this grade and they didn't do these credits. Suddenly, whether a homeschooler takes the money or not, we will all be lumped into the same category. We will all be the homeschoolers who don't do it right. And I don't think it will be immediate, but I do think the way government is, it will be a progression where we will all be scrutinized and then all homeschooling laws will have to change because they feel that we're not, we're not worthy to educate. You know what I mean? Right. So no, I don't think that because I don't take the money that somehow I'm still going to be, you yeah. know, told to follow some requirements, but because of the nature of homeschooling, um, it's not going to meet approval across the board. Yep. So we basically have a 20-year period of time, approximately, 
for the last 20 years, we have seen very little increase in regulation for homeschooling. This is just my observation. And I've talked to other people about this. Now, what I mean by that is like, I remember 20 years ago when I was talking to different families in like Pennsylvania or New York and their their homeschooling still today is very different than homeschooling in Texas. Okay. So there are states that have higher regulations than what Texas has. There's like six, seven, eight other states that are about on par, if not even like a little better than Texas, but we have a ton of freedom in Texas, right? So if you homeschool, people probably don't know, not everyone knows this, but if you homeschool, you're a private school, right? Essentially your own private school. And these are completely unregulated by the government. Um, I think it's important to recognize that any school choice program that gets instituted is not regulating current homeschooling and private schooling. So there, there is not, I, I don't, it would not be correct to say that this is a regulation on homeschooling. It would be correct to say that it is a regulation for anybody who participates in this new government program that's going to be set up. And let's say a percentage, right? Uh, maybe even half. So let's say half of current homeschooling families in Texas, maybe it's more, are going to then take this money. And so as a result, they are now voluntarily putting themselves under certain regulations. Now, I feel like 10 years ago or eight years ago, when I would hear different people have these conversations about how, look, this school choice program is going to eventually lead to a monolithic regulation of homeschooling, that it held more weight than it holds today since we have so many states that have had school choice programs for so long, right? 20 years ago, there were, I mean, it was like, There was maybe one little inner city school choice program in Washington, D.C. that was getting piloted. And then today we have a situation where a lot of these states have had these programs for a while and they're not getting there. It's not leading to this discussion that that then is uh, regulating all into let's call them independent homeschoolers. Right. Don't take any money. Um, So my my other question is like and then the other thought is that. Homeschooling regulation is basically 76 votes away from at any given session, right? Like if 76 legislators decide they want to regulate homeschooling and then a number of senators decide and then the governor signs a bill, Governor Beto O'Rourke signs a bill, uh, which will not happen because he won't win. But if he was, they could regulate homeschooling without a school choice program, right? And, And my other thing is that many of the states that do have higher regulations on homeschoolers don't have school choice programs, right? So like, I, I'm not, I'm trying, I'm having trouble seeing the the correlation, right? Or even the causation since the states with school choice programs are usually redder states and usually, and not states that we at least to date have seen, oh, it's led to this whole regulation. And then the states that are regulating their homeschoolers to a more stringent extent, also are largely driven by teacher unions who oppose the school choice program. So I'm just trying to understand, it it seems to me that the argument is kind of like positing this position that would be an anomaly to what we see in the rest of the states. Does that make sense? And I I just want your perspective. I, I understand your question and I get that one a lot, but I have to ask, you know, if history tells us anything about government. The growth of government and and in the United States, which is, you know, still one of the freest places on earth. How often have we seen government regulations go backwards? How often have we seen people given something by the government that did not grow into more regulations across Mm -hmm. the board? So I don't know 
when this will happen. Every state's yep. different. Every state law is different. Every school choice yep. bill is different. And so I cannot predict when it will happen. But as a student of history, I have to say, asking the government to give me money and hoping that they will not tell me what to do and will not lump all of us into the same category is a fairy tale. I do believe that. I believe strongly that just understanding how governments are should tell us that this is something to avoid, that taking money from the government is not going to affect everyone in that category. And so I can't give you a time on the calendar yeah. and I can't tell you how long it will take. It may yep. take decades, but I don't want that to happen to my grandchildren either. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something that you can say, well, it's been in this state for 10 years. It hadn't happened yet. Yay. Yay for them. Mm-hmm. Anytime it could happen. Yeah. And Texas is a red state, but how, how red are we? I mean, we can't, like you said, we could have a law that outlaws homeschooling at any time. It hasn't happened yet, but it could. Um, and, and people say, well, you, you just got to protect yourself along the way. You know, if these regulations start to come up on homeschoolers, you fight it then. <clears throat> but I would like to ask, how's that working for kids who are supposed to be protected from gender mutilation? Mm-hmm. How has the Texas House helped them? You know, we have a red state that can't apparently do anything conservative. So we're we're saying, go ahead and implement it and we'll protect our freedoms on down the road. <laughs> Texas can't even protect kids. So yeah. how do we expect Texas red Republicans to protect homeschoolers? You know, that's that's what I see. You have to think big picture. And in, in, in the course of history, governments just grow and they take away freedoms. So I think, and, and they're, they're definitely, it, when it comes to the, you know, very different perspectives, my, I think you maybe could also put these perspectives into two different camps of one of the arguments for people who support it, like myself now, is, is saying basically, like, we are in a nation that has the vast majority of our students being taught Marxist ideology, right? And the ramifications of that on your grandchildren and my grandchildren is going to be enormous, right? And so when it comes, and and all of these things, right? We we don't live in a perfect society and we're never passing perfect laws that are are void of any problems. But when we're having these discussions, we're really weighing the current situation. And that I think that the people mainly doing the indoctrinating and doing the reshaping of the minds and hearts of so many of the young people that are our children's peers, your children's and my children's peers, they don't want the school choice program. And I think they don't want the school choice program because like, not because they're like, look, and, and I don't think you would believe this either. Right. But it's like their position is not like, we're going to oppose it, but really if it passes, it's okay. Cause we have this other path to like 30, 20 years from now, you know, right. having this mass regulation. It's like all they know is they're going to get less souls <laughs> to indoctrinate today and yes. less money. Right. But I, and I think yes. it's twofold. Like, I think that there's a, we want the money. I mm-hmm. think there's a selfish, but I think there is a group in the education system. that are like, look, we're highly motivated by how many people we can indoctrinate. And so if a system got set up where a parent could just up and leave our school because we were teaching radical leftist ideas, like, that's going to hurt us, not just financially, 
Yeah. It's going to hurt that student because a lot, the teachers that are doing the indoctrinating, and it's not every single teacher, but there are a decent amount of them. The, the teachers doing the indoctrinating, like they believe that student needs to believe these things, right? They're like, the fact that this child in my classroom at five years old believes there are only two genders is something I need to dissuade them from. And so if you were to say, hey, any parent in this area that's like, uh, that's not flying with us, they can just up and leave. I think that would significantly thwart their ability. But uh, they can. They already can. That's that's where I come from. Mm-hmm. We've had the choice for a long time. I mean, in Texas, legally, since 1994, they already mm-hmm. can up and leave. Freedom says you do it on your own money, though. Mm-hmm. Taking the government's p- permission, which is what you do when you take their voucher, you're getting their permission. We don't need the permission of the government to say, I'm going to withdraw my kids from school. You just do it. And that's where we differ. There mm-hmm. already is a choice. And, and I'll tell you, I was homeschooled before there was actually a legal choice in Texas. Yep. You know, my parents did it before 1994. Yep. In Oklahoma, we were doing it in 1983 and they got arrested in a state mm-hmm. that already had it legalized. So th- that's what I'm, I'm coming from a family that says, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to yep. do what's right. No matter who yep. says we can do it or who gives us the money to do it. My parents were very poor. We did not have anything and we homeschooled. So yep. you take the choice because it's there, not because someone gives you a check. And that's so, the difference. Yeah. So I'll agree with a couple of your points. One, that there already is school choice. And in fact, I think, you know, even Dan Patrick, who's a big proponent of school choice, says this, right? Like we have choice. Okay. We have choice in that there's a couple forms of choice. One, you can move, right? So every family can sell their home if they, and then move. So anybody who can afford to say, hey, indoctrinating school here, the school up there, less indoctrinating in Bulverde, right? I'm going to go out there. So that person has choice. It is their own money, their own finances. If they can afford to do it, that's fine. You also have the choice to remove your child and homeschool them, which I, I would still say is more reserved for two-parent households. I would uh, like to interrupt there because this is the go ahead. time you brought that up. Yeah. Um, single moms all over the United States are homeschooling, and I did it myself. So I can tell you from experience, mm-hmm. single parents are not shut out of homeschooling. And a school choice voucher will not give them a second income. You know, there's not enough money in those vouchers to give them enough income mm-hmm. just to stay home and, you know, live in leisure. So. I would like to correct the notion yeah. that it's only two-parent households. It's only the ones with a certain amount of income. No way. I did it myself, and I have friends doing it right now. I've known people doing single-parent homeschooling for decades. Yep. So <laughs> even so that. I, I do know, right. yeah, the state, I, I definitely would not say that it is it is monopolized by, by two-parent households. I think that a, a vast number of two-parent households are going to, homeschool over others. And I also am saying that specifically more to choice, just choice overall. So what I mean by that is uh, what you will likely have within single parent households that don't want their kid being indoctrinated at the local school is that they're going to pull them out and they're going to put them into a different school, right? So that's my opinion is, is the, we wouldn't, these people are not likely if this were to pass this program, they're not likely to pull out and go, now I'm going to homeschool at my house 
and I'm going to take the you know two seven thousand dollar a year checks and live on that. What they're going to do is probably pick a local school. I also think that you're going to have a combination. This is just my opinion. Uh, likely, of what will happen is that there's going to be a decent amount of private schools, both secular and Christian, who actually are not going to take the money. And what I mean by that is, and some of this might just be like an exclusion thing, right? It's kind of like, look, there's some private schools in San Antonio, I know. And the people that go there are all wealthy, upper middle class to upper class, right? So honestly, they're going to be sitting there going like, look, we don't need to do this. In fact, they might just increase their tuition the amount of the ESA, right? So it's like, you're paying that plus what you already pay us. And then we'll do something more with it. And so what'll happen is there will be new schools created Mm-hmm. And these schools will be anywhere from 30 to 100 students to 150 students. And these schools will say, hey, we have created a business model that can work off of educating 50 students with mm-hmm. three or four teachers. And these 50 students, if you take the ESA, that more than funds the operation because we don't have all the overhead. We don't have the administration. We don't have this. And then those 100 students are going to receive a massively better education and less indoctrination than they otherwise would have if they had been stuck in Delview Elementary. Under the current status quo, most of those kids are going to stay in that monopolized public school system. A small percentage will continue to be pulled out. Okay. And so I think my, my overarching deal is just that the, it is true that you have choice right now, right? Choice mm-hmm. is based on each individual's decision. Right. And I I do think that a school choice program being created does, just my opinion is, and at least in the short term, I know your argument is that maybe 20 or 30 years from now this changes, but it definitely doesn't take away our choice today. It doesn't even take away our choice in two years, four years, six years, based on states that have instituted these programs. It doesn't take our choice away for the foreseeable future, meaning we cannot see where the path has taken it to. And so our choice remains our choice, but there is a big swath of Texans that now have this other choice through this government program that's being created. Um, so, you know. It's interesting that you use the words government program, and that's yeah. that's what I have to keep going back to. It will become an entitlement. And as conservatives, I have to argue that this is not conservative. Government mm-hmm. programs are not conservative. They never have been. And so, and it does put me in a strange position to be, um, basically agreeing with Democrats that school choice yeah. is not a good idea. I've yeah. had to fight this for years. Yes. But it is not conservative to create a government handout. Mm-hmm. Period. I don't believe that the public school system as it exists today is a conservative system. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a socialist system. So what conservatives are asking for is to be part of that socialist system. Let's expand it. Let me bring your socialism to my home or my private school. So to me, there is a huge principle here that Republicans and conservatives are just overlooking. Because, yep. hey, I pay taxes. So yep. give me a piece of that. And instead of saying, I want a piece of that pie that you're handing out to everybody, we should be fighting to make the pie smaller. Let's put all of our energy that we're putting into making this school choice stuff pass. Let's put it back into reducing our property taxes and fighting what's making the public schools so horrendous right now. Why don't we do that? Instead, Republicans want to grow government. That's exactly mm-hmm. what school choice will do. Because, and, and I'm working on a on an article right now about the math of it. Everyone says, well, it's my tax dollars. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I want to use the example in our last home, we paid a roughly $3,000 a year to our local school mm-hmm. in property taxes. Well, I have five kids. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're only going to give me $3,000 back? Yeah. No, the ESA bill that was proposed either 2015 or 2016 in Texas was a $5,000 per student mm-hmm. ESA on a debit card. Mm-hmm. So you add that up and tell me if I'm getting my tax dollars back. No, I'm getting mine and my neighbors and the other neighbor and the other neighbor yep. who are not going to take advantage of it or who don't even have children in school. Is that conservative? Yep. So I think my I, I, I think I'll kind of explain a couple different issues on that. So one, I do use the term government program because I think it's OK to when I say it's OK to say one, it is a government program. Right. So we're creating it's a it's a new government program. And so I don't mind saying that because to act like it's not would just to me be like kind of disingenuous. So it makes sense to say it's a new government program. Uh, I think that the difference of perspective would be one that when we talk about, oh, well, there's this new entitlement. The way an ESA is, is that the current form. So ultimately. There's this big pot of money. And it's all going into this public school system. And they have fought very hard to make sure that nobody who's not participating in this almost monopoly, when I say almost monopoly, a monopoly for most parents in the community and not a monopoly for some, you might disagree. You might say, no, it's not a monopoly because like anybody can leave. But I'm saying my view is the public school system is largely a monopoly for the vast majority of citizens in the school system. Mm -hmm. And they are currently getting all the money. So what is being proposed is a policy which would allow for a chunk of that money to be taken out of those schools and into other education institutions, okay? Now, so I I see that as a starving of the big dragon that is doing the most harm on the most children in our society. So I'm like this is this is the big dragon that is unfortunately indoctrinating and harming many of our students. And so, and these are students that my kids are going to grow up with and your kids are going to grow up with. They're going to pass laws over our kids. And do all. So I'm saying this program is a program designed to take a chunk of that away from them. And for a lot of parents, that barrier will now be lowered and that will lead to more people exiting the system. And the more people that exit that large monopoly, the better we're going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. That's just kind of my overall. I I do agree that we need to starve that beast. I do Mm -hmm. agree that the public school system needs to feel the pain of removing kids because it is is definitely a beast. Mm -hmm. It is a drain on our system, but it's Mm -hmm. also producing uneducated Marxists. And mm-hmm. I know that not every kid that graduates at public school is an uneducated yeah. Marxist. Yeah. However, more people don't realize exactly how undereducated their children are becoming in the public school system and how Marxist they are. Um, and so, yes, I have a very big concern about the future that my children will inherit because most of the kids are public schooled. And those are going to be the people who vote and run for office and run businesses. And so, yes, it's, it's something I think about every single day. But, but we're still not going to change that just by pulling a few kids out and letting the very same entity fund and oversee 
the private education. Um, it, it's, it's like one guy with two hands pulling puppet strings. And on mm. one side, he's pulling the strings of the public school. The other side, he's pulling the strings of private education and homeschoolers. It's the same person with the same money and the same goals. That's my concern. Yes, I agree that the public school needs to hurt, but not at the expense of private education. And as you said, private schoolers and homeschoolers are private schoolers. Mm -hmm. And we need to stay private. We need to stay completely private because that is what makes it better. There There is no way that public funds are going to keep private education private. It will not be private. Even if you say, well, it's just, you know, this, this kind of education and you won't have to, you can be an ESA homeschooler, like they call it in Arizona. Yes. It's still not private anymore. And yeah, I think I would agree with you that it's not for those people. They're not private. They're not fully private. Right. So I, I would agree. Um, you know, Hillsdale has argued this, right, as a university where they go, look, these private universities that take the FAFSA funds and all these other federal grants have to then subject themselves to different federal regulations that are associated with that. So Hillsdale has said, hey, we are literally completely private. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I have friends that work at Hillsdale. I have, I know students that have graduated Hillsdale, a lot of friends that are alumni Hillsdale, phenomenal education that they receive, that's all good. I think the difference is, I don't believe that what would be better is if none of those other private schools existed and the only private universities that exist in America were like completely private funded, and then everybody else was educated at state universities. Like I wouldn't say, my opinion is, that wouldn't lead to a better situation where Hillsdale is more likely to retain their privacy. I would say that it is true that if you're not taking the government money, then you are a fully private school, whether you're an actual private institution or you're a homeschool family that is, you know, homeschooling on your own dime. So you are then the private school. And this is going to create a second category, a third category of publicly funded, but it is at an institution that you have been able to independently choose. And I think where I'm at is, and this is, um, I don't mean this to sound uncharitable. My view sometimes is that some people are arguing that I don't want other families to have a choice that I'm not going to choose. Does that make sense? Like, because it, it it's not a choice. You're not going to choose. I'm probably not going to choose it. A lot of people I know aren't going to choose it. They don't need it. And they're like, I'm just not going to mess with the ESA, but that they're opposed to giving other families that choice. It's like, basically, I want every family in Texas to either be at a public school or make the choice I chose. Right. And I'm advocating that I'm okay if there's a third choice created that those people can choose. I don't think, and I think the disagreement is whether we think that's going to ultimately affect our choice, right? Like I, Hillsdale has been completely private for a long time. And the reason the government can't come in and just start telling them what to do is because they won't take the money, right? right? And they can't be compelled to take the money. And so if we are to a point to where the Supreme Court and the state court and other people here, I guess, is my last position on like the kind of slippery slope argument is if the Supreme Court, the Texas Supreme Court, because remember, I mean, our homeschool rights basically hinge on a court case, right? Yeah. We don't even have it. So like we have a court case that was like, nope, these are private schools. So if the courts are actually changed, they're going to do away with our rights. And I feel like the legislators that would want to do away with our rights 
don't need us to institute a school choice program today so that 20 or 30 years from now, they can regulate us as private homeschoolers. Like, I think if we get regulated as private homeschoolers, which could happen 10, 15, 20 years from now, and I think it takes a lot of vigilance on your part and my part and everybody else's part. But if we get regulated, I don't think it's going to be because we started a school choice program in 2023. I think it's going to be because our society has shifted, our socioeconomic climate has shifted, the cultural climate has shifted, the elected officials have changed, the courts have changed, and they've decided to regulate us, right? And they're not going to come in 20 years from now and go, hey, we have this school choice program. Let's just use that to regulate them all. I think they're just going to go, they want to regulate us today, right? I'm sure you've met those people. I've met those people in politics that tell me when I was a homeschooled high schooler in politics, they'd be like, I think you should be forced to take these tests. Uh And, and And if you're failing, I think you should have to go to a public school. And I said, well, I think that all the public schoolers should take the tests and any of them that fail should be forced to homeschool. And they're like, well, that's crazy. I'm like, well, statistically, they're more likely to do better if you just shoved them back at home. Like some of them will stop failing because their parents love them way more than that education system loves them. So all that to be said, I hope that, you know, uh, feel free to kind of close us out with any of your final thoughts on this. I hope you found this helpful. I found it helpful. I would like to have, I, I feel like in general, I know people on the school choice side, I know people against it. And a lot of the conversations I see are pretty heated back and forth on some of this stuff. So that's why I wanted to at least have this conversation. I'm really grateful, Nikki, that you came on and were willing to uh, to exchange these viewpoints. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Um, when you say that you feel like they will not use school choice to actually hamper our freedom, but that they yes. would just come in and you know swoop yep. it away someday. I actually disagree. I do think school choice is an easy mechanism for future whoever politicians, Mm -hmm. courts, whatever, to incrementally take away our freedom. And what you have right now, I know you're you're not a newbie. I'm not a newbie. But there are a lot of new homeschoolers who just say, yeah, I want to do this. Ooh, a check would be nice, too. Mm -hmm. Instead of understanding what came before and how how hard fought the freedoms are. And so I do see it as it's a very easy step for politics in, in any form to come and take it away because people generally are excited about an extra mm-hmm. check in the mail. Yeah, $7,000 per child. Mm-hmm. You you and I both know it doesn't cost near that much to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And um, so a couple of things I wanna point out, um, Missouri has an ESA bill. I just read about it this week. There's Their requirements include a background check for everyone in the home. Mm-hmm. Now, they're starting out, you know, over the top. It's ridiculous. Yep. But who's to say that's not going to happen in any state? That's ridiculous. Yep. But how many people are going to say, well, that's fine. We'll take the money. And it's it's incremental steps. I mean, I don't know how long it took us to get to where we're all fine with them taking our money in the first place. But, yep. you know, people fought, you know, the your your paycheck withdrawals many decades ago because they saw this as a slippery slope. Well, now we're in a place where like, hey, they took my tax dollars, let me have a check. You know, it's not that simple because as I said, the math doesn't add up and it will grow government. But back to the incremental steps, it it doesn't have to be one big law. Of course, people will fight that, but people will not fight this. There's too many people on the side of school choice legislation that say, yeah, this is great. So much easier 
to get a step in the door and on down the road with different legislators or even a completely Republican state that won't stand up for conservative values, yes, it can incrementally happen. That's that's how I see it. And I will say, I hope I'm wrong. I really want to be wrong about this. But history shows us that government does not shrink itself and it does not give more freedom. It gives less and it takes what you have away. Um, I would like to say that you know, we talked about the single parents while ago. Mm-hmm. You know how easy it is to homeschool. I know. And I'm not saying it's easy peasy every day's a breeze. I'm saying mm-hmm. it is doable for everyone on any schedule, on any budget. And I know that from my own experience. And I know it from years and years of homeschooling with other families that two working parents can homeschool, single parents homeschool, you know. Uh, on the weekends, at night, whatever it is. And so we've already got a choice. In fact, homeschooling is the ultimate choice. And it's the it's the bridge between public and private. It's that thing that's accessible to more people than less. Private schools are expensive. And a lot of times a voucher is not even going to cover that tuition. Homeschooling can be done by everyone on every budget. And, and that's why it needs to be kept private. It needs to be exclusive. And I don't mean exclusive to people, but exclusive from government mm-hmm. control on any level. Well, Nikki, I appreciate it. I'm going to give you the last word because that's just respectful to a guest. And so I'm going to do that. But I really do appreciate you coming on, you having this discussion, uh, exchanging our viewpoints. My dad always told me that where you stand on a subject is often determined by where you sit. And, you know, we sit in different chairs from different perspectives with different goals. Just we we are seeing things differently. And the goal in these discussions is, okay, I'm, may, I'm trying to sit in your chair a little bit and kind of see that. And hopefully different people are able to see, okay, these are the different perspectives in this discussion. And, uh, and here's where we're at. We will see what transpires in 2023. I hope that we're able to pass a school choice program. Uh, you will rejoice uh, if we don't. And, um, and I'm really grateful for your willingness to come on and have this discussion. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Nikki. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you know someone who is wondering where they stand on this issue or has shared information, I've had information shared with me by homeschool parents before, homeschool families saying, hey, I'm really concerned. I was actually at a conservative group that I spoke to about the changing demographics and polling in Texas and got a follow-up email from someone who expressly said, hey, What about school choice? I know it's a question people are asking, and so that's one of the reasons I'm glad that this conversation is here. And this conversation is timeless. It works really at any time from now through the legislative session. Hopefully, we'll have some more coming your way. I'm so grateful that Nikki came on. I appreciate people who I disagree with being willing to come on and having these dialogues. I think it's very helpful to really flesh out why we uh, see things the way we see them. So grateful for Nikki. Uh, Thank you for tuning in this week for today's conversation and episode. I am grateful that we continue to see momentum for Republican policies in Texas. I will tell you from now to November, of course, there's a ton of work to do for these elections. And then there's the legislative session that kicks off in January. I am grateful to be bringing you information, hopefully that's relevant to where our state is going. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't rated our podcast recently, do it. Just get on there, write a little thing about Texas and politics and all this stuff. This means that when other people are on Spotify, they're on 
Apple Podcasts or whatever, they can then search for Texas and politics. They're more likely to find our podcast, get engaged and get plugged in, get informed and empowered, um, which is what we seek to do here on the show. Thank you so much for following along. God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas. Texas.